hard-hitting questions coming out of yesterday. You know, I think one of them was uh, whether or not the horns down is going to be 15-yard penalty uh, in the SEC in the future. That it was very important to finish uh, and to collect the trophy and to win 10 games and win a game on New Year's Day and all those things. And uh, believe me, we had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. I said in my press conference back in December that I didn't feel like there was anything at South Carolina that we lacked to be a championship program, that we had everything that we needed. I am even more convinced of that now after being there for seven months. So there's a report in the Houston Chronicle that, that Texas and Oklahoma are inquiring about joining the SEC. <laughs> I bet they would. <laughs> War Eagle. Feels good to say that. Uh, All right. <clears throat> I didn't even remember that 12 years ago, but now that you say that, because I believe there was something about someone didn't have Tebow first team All-SEC. And as usual, I was accused of that. So <laughs> I brought my ballot to, to show everyone, to show Urban. Um, so, Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, another day of SEC action, and we're right just over a week away from the action, man. It, yeah. it feels great, doesn't it? <laughs> Eight days, baby. Because, you you know, I'm kind of jealous of the listeners because we have to do this a day before, so it's already <laughs> one day closer to football for them. So, uh, yeah, I'm pumped up, baby. One week away. We're, we're I mean, we got freaking games this time next week. How awesome is that? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this weekend, you know, we'll have games. They're not really that important, but hey, it's still football. We'll still be drinking <laughs> beer, still be watching them. And uh, man, I just can't wait for Tennessee kickoff here against Bowling Green. That's when the action is really going to get going. You know what? How funny, man. Sometimes I'm scrolling through and I'm like, oh, well, they're in Canada. Let's see what's going on. You know. <laughs> and then I was watching, uh, there was some, uh, or some arena type game on the other, and I was watching it and I was just I was like, well, I'm just, you know, just background noise. And next thing you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm rooting for a team. So I'm ready for college football for sure, man. And I think we need it, uh, you know, before we go around the league, Shane. I don't know if you've seen this, but the milk cart challenge is taking <laughs> over down there in Columbia. Thank God Marshawn Lloyd did not participate. Let's kick it over to this uh, little viral video that's been going around. Hey. You folks come out here to see the dub. Everybody finna, huh? <laughs> Man, so is this how Luke Doty got injured? <laughs> hey, if you look up there, you'll see I'm right beside the uh, old Marshawn. <laughs> Ain't no way I'm getting near that milk crate. But I just, you know, I did. I'm probably like the last guy to notice a trend. Uh, when it's a tr when I catch on, it's usually already on to the next thing. But <laughs> apparently, this crate thing, and I want to explain to listeners that maybe 
they're like me. They're kind of in the dark here. Basically, they take these milk crates and they stack them up. So it'll go one, then it'll to two. To I think I've seen like a some stairs, of these like a stairs, yeah. right? Well, it looks like a pyramid when you're all done because it goes up to about seven, eight, somewhere right there, and then it stair steps down. So the the milk crate challenge is these guys and girls they, they will they have to go up and down the steps. Basically, it sounds simple, but I'm telling you what, Mike, I have seen more fails on milk crates then I have any success. I think I may have saw one or two people actually succeed in going up and down. And when they come down, man, they come down violently. <laughs> I have seen some guys like, man, I don't know if he walked away from that thing. So, yeah, this is a trend right now. Do not YouTube it or you'll find yourself like me going down a rabbit hole for 15 minutes just watching these poor kids get hurt. But, uh, yeah, apparently this is a big-time trend right now. Yeah, and we'll get to more Shane Beamer comments uh, when we jump down to Columbia. But he ended his presser with a little milk crate humor here. I was worried about some crate questions, so I brought my wife in here, so y'all ease up on me. So thank you, guys. All right, Shane, let me ask you this. He's in a good mood talking about it. Uh, he would not be in a good mood if someone actually got hurt doing this, don't you think? No, I guarantee he told the staff, he said, you do a search of this <laughs> campus and you remove any milk crate from here. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, just weird, odd comments, I didn't even include this on the show because I just I heard it and I didn't think anything of it, but it was going viral there on Vol Twitter, Shane. Let's kick it over real quick to Josh Heupel, what he's fired up about his team. I love this team's effort and energy, uh, the way that they've learned how to approach uh, walking up the stairs and going to meetings. Man, I was hoping you wouldn't include this one. <laughs> All right, Chase. So like I said, I mean, I, sometimes when you're in these press situations, I'm sure he didn't really mean he, that's what he's really fired up about. It. You know, he's just shooting it from the hip, but... I, I thought that was a perfect uh, way to encapsulate how some Tennessee fans are feeling about the season. You know what? And, and I feel bad because it's not like Hoppel was a, a diehard Tennessee ball fan. So he doesn't know what we've really gone through up here. And that is just the perfect motto. It's like a blend between Butch Jones and Derek Dooley there. <laughs> you know, Derek Dooley talking about shower etiquette. And then you got Butch Jones champions of life. And it's just like, come on, man. We don't, nobody wants to hear that in Knoxville. So I kind of felt bad for the guy. I didn't want to put it on the internet. And I was actually afraid that you would see it and include it in the pod. So I guess it's too late for that. So yes, let's go on to the next bit of news around the list. <laughs> well, I don't want to spend much at all time on this, Shane, because I think it's so stupid. But uh, yeah, the, the the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 apparently are joining forces, calling it the Alliance. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I want to bring this up, because I think it's so dumb, Brett McMurphy, let's give this guy credit, <laughs> and on the YouTube we'll show his tweet here. But uh, here's what he th said about it. The Super Friends Alliance <laughs> will be televised on Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 networks. At the same time, the SEC network will counter with an endless loop of the past college football playoff <laughs> national championships won by the SEC. And that pretty much says it all about that alliance, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, man. Well, we had a chess club at our high school, too, you know. So, I mean, there's, there's some groups you just didn't want to get involved with. So, <laughs> nothing against you chess players, but I'm just saying, yeah, they obviously we were expecting some sort of move from these guys, but. Again, I thought the best comment was from you, Mike. What did you call this? What did you call this new division? 
Uh, I think I called it the uh, Super Consolation Conference. Because <laughs> we all know whoever wins this damn thing, they're just going to get uh, sacrificed to the SEC and the Nas- uh, college football playoff and national championship. You know what? Absolutely. So, yeah, call it whatever you want. Ain't nobody watching that. One final thing here before we go around the league real quick here. We don't have a ton of news or notes on this episode, but uh, the preseason coaches, all SEC team came out. And I just want to run down the list of just the first team guys because I want to see if you have any objections here. Mike, I I hate to go back, but I do want to ask you a question about about that league. I know we joked and and cut up there for a second, but – you, if this was just grabbing straws, right? This was just throwing something together here at the last minute to to be competitive. I, you don't see this as a big picture thing, do you? No, not at all. Because uh, from what I understand, there's not even a contract signed. There's no scheduling agreements. Yeah. Uh, there's no. I mean, it's basically pointless. I don't understand why they came out and, and did this. I think, I think the the purpose of it is to say you know, we'll not steal each other's members and yeah. uh, maybe uh, we'll schedule one another down the line. But they were asked about it during the news conference, you know, any scheduling announcements. And they basically said, no, we got nothing. So <laughs> I don't understand right. the purpose of this. I truly don't. I think this is more. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think this is the university saying, hey, we're not going to steal anybody. Let's let the dust settle. It's too late. Let's let's worry about this next season. So I would expect some some news to come out mid season about some maybe schedule realignment somewhere. But uh, I definitely think the Super Conference is the the way that the country's going now. Yeah, and I and I think it just goes to show that there's no one out there to really steal that adds any value. Yeah, I, I mean the SEC gobbled up Texas and Oklahoma, and. Who else is out there to grab? I mean, BYU, Boise, yeah. uh, South uh, Central Florida, Cincinnati. I mean, some of those teams may be decent, uh, you know, right this moment, but are they? They'll probably be irrelevant in you know two or three seasons. Right, right. What about Notre Dame, Mike? They're out there. They're Mister Independent. Yeah, that would be the only one that I could see adding value somewhere, but it doesn't seem like they, they want to go anywhere. <laughs> Well, every time they come to the SEC, they get their ass kicked. So they won't come down here. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I mean, that may be the only team left standing. when, And at some point when this thing goes to, you know, when they went to the uh, – well, it's not finalized yet, but when they go to the 12-team playoff, mm-hmm. Notre Dame may be, might be on the outside looking in if they don't uh, join a conference. Yeah, yeah, I think eventually they'll get pushed into it. That's a whole that's offseason. I just I was just kind of you know, thoughts going in my head. I was just curious if this was just just a play to 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 keep these guys at bay or or if this was just a I don't know. It just felt like it was makeshift and and last uh, desperate. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like desperation, but what you said makes sense. Mhm. All right, Shane, well uh like I said, we don't got a ton of news on this show, but I did want to hit on the preseason coaches all SEC team, and mm-hmm. I only want to go through the first team here. There's uh, you know so many players to go through, but I uh, just wanted to. This is I thought this would be a great way to to kind of go around the league here and, and hit on a number of teams. So uh, you let me know if you have any objections to this list, and and I'll kind of share my own thoughts on it. But first team quarterback, I don't think any surprise here. Matt Corral, Ole Miss quarterback. Uh, I know JT Daniels, you know, a lot of people have him. Uh, some people project Bryce 
young there from Alabama, but I think Matt Corral has got to be the the easy choice, don't you think? I don't know about easy, but Ooh. I mean he's definitely up. I'm a, I like I like this JT kid. I I, mm-hmm. I think that he's I think he's better than than people. I mean, don't get me wrong. Matt looked fantastic, but there was a couple of games, a couple of breakdowns he had. Right. There was a reason he wasn't playing in the college football playoff. Not that Georgia was, but I think that the way JT was playing toward the tail end of the season, if he would have started the season, Lord knows what George would happen with Georgia Bulldogs. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm there. I'm a one A one B when we're talking Matt and uh, JT. Now here's where we get to a little bit of a controversy: the running backs slot there's so many good running backs in the Uh sec isaiah spiller from texas a&m tank Uh bigsby from auburn those are your selections and he can hear it now from columbia they're pissed off kevin harris didn't make it uh Uh kentucky fans they're upset chris rodriguez didn't make it but uh what are your thoughts on tanks and isaiah spiller there from a&m well i'm thinking independently i i I love tank I, i just think he's just a an absolute unit um, see Texas A&M. I mean, when you're talking actual backfields, you, I love Texas A&M. I love Kentucky. I love, uh, hell, I love South Carolina. You know, I've talked them up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate that, that, uh, that he's hurt right now, but I don't know. I, I think when you're talking individuals, it's hard to argue against this, this Harris argument. I mean, cause look, he, he carried the damn team at times last year. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, I mean, there's just so many good running backs in the SEC. It's, it, that's a tough one I, to narrow it down to two guys right now. Oh, yeah, and I should have also mentioned Jerry on Ely. He, he made the first team as an all-purpose running back, so, you know, we can throw him into the mix there. He's well-deserved. Uh, yeah. how, how about these receivers? I don't think you can – you know, these are two solid selections here. John Mechie from Alabama and Traylon Burks for Arkansas. Those are your receiver selections. And – the coaches voted George Pickens second team, and he may not even play. So, yeah. uh, I think that gives you an indication of, of uh, you know, I think how deserving Menchie and, and Traylon Burks were at, at the receiver position. Yeah, but th- I will tell you this: I, I do think that this is a list we look at the tail end of the season mm-hmm. at, at totally different names. I, I, that's yeah. just. I think we're going to have some – There's there's been a lot of hype coming out of camps at some of these programs, and I'm telling you what, man, there's some studs sitting out there we just don't know about yet. All right, at tight end, they got Jalen Wattemeyer from Texas A&M. I think, yeah. uh, I think that's the right choice, don't you? Yeah, no-brainer there. All right, offensive line, your position here, Shane, Evan Neal, Alabama, Darian Kennard from Kentucky, Kenyon Green, Texas A&M, and then your guy here, Kate Bays from Tennessee, <laughs> and uh, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas as the center. So uh, you go into a season with that five on your offensive line, you're gonna you're gonna just be mauling folks, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's nice to get a Tennessee guy in there. Probably <laughs> it's it's a six year in college, but we finally got one. <laughs> All right, the defense, man, look at this line here. Kingsley Anabari from South Carolina, big man Jordan Davis from Georgia, Zach Carter from Florida, and uh, Fedarian Mathis from Alabama, who was down at SEC Media Days. I think, yeah, all these guys were at SEC Media Days. So uh, defensive line looking stout once again in the SEC. You know what? I saw a picture. I told you, man. I saw a picture of Davis coming down the hall. I was like, God bless America. <laughs> I mean, you don't realize how big these boys are until they're sitting next to normies, you know? 
<laughs> and my only thing with that defensive, I mean, hell, it's it's so when you say a guy, I'm not saying any of these guys don't deserve a spot, but I feel like you got to get Demarvin Leal from Texas A&M on that. He yeah. was he was second team, so he's not far off the cuff there, but. Ooh, I think you could easily make the case he deserves a spot there. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Now, how about the linebackers? Shane Christian Harris from Alabama, Grant Morgan from Arkansas, who's got himself a new house <laughs> thanks to NIL, <laughs> and Will Anderson also from Alabama. And how loaded is Alabama, Shane? Second team, Henry Toa Toa. So it's like, oh, my God, Alabama, uh. according to this list, is is got three – all SEC linebackers. Golly, no Auburn love. What's going on here, Mike? Well, they do have a second teamer in uh, Zacoby McLean. Yeah, and then I believe they've got a yeah they've got a third teamer Owen Popo too. But yeah, I mean, oh my God, look at the linebackers there in the state of Alabama. You know, <laughs> I know man, that state's loaded. So <laughs> uh, again, I think this linebacker list is one of those. There's going to be some guys popping up here at the tail end, but yeah, strong list. All right, defensive backs quickly. Derek Stingley, no argument there. Uh-huh. Kair Elam, Florida, he's outstanding. Yeah. Malachi Moore from Alabama, who was great as a freshman last year. And then Josh Job, Alabama again. So damn these coaches. I don't know <laughs> I don't know what they're seeing, but they really like Alabama. How about how about it? <laughs> yeah, well, that's just the easy safe pick, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like if I don't want to fall on my face, that's who I'm going to pick. So, are you? Let me ask you. There's, I think there's a few ball clubs not getting enough love in here. And, and when I say that, I, I think of teams like Kentucky. I think of teams like Florida. Mm-hmm. Is is there any of these players that that you're kind of surprised isn't on the list? Um, yeah, one guy in particular, Jalen Catalan from from Arkansas. I yeah. think uh, he deserves a ton of uh, recognition. I think he should be All American. Uh, how about Smoke Monday from from Auburn? Yeah. I mean, he's been he's been outstanding. Damn. Man, and how just... about how about Yusuf Corker? Like you said, from Kentucky. Yeah. Lewis Seen, Georgia. I mean, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know, man, because we're going down this list. This is all SEC. This might as well be all American, in my opinion. You know what? Yeah, it's almost like they went off twenty four seven and not what they saw on the <laughs> tape, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last ones. I know you're going to want to do a deep dive on these, Shane. Kicker and punter, Cade York, yeah. LSU, mm-hmm. game winner there against Florida in the in the swamp. And then Jake Camarda from Georgia, he's outstanding. But uh, that's, about, that's probably all we got to say about kickers and punters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like it, man, because – I'll tell you one thing, man. Old York's going to be on my fantasy football team one day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. So uh, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. Um, What what is 12 personnel? You know, I got to get up. Two tight ends and two wide receivers or one? I'm just kidding. I know what 12 personnel is. So, <laughs> worry about playing Alabama. I can't figure out whether or not the Big Ten and Back 12 are going to yo-yo around and play football with us or not. I mean, they're playing great. Love it. Love the game. Awesome game. It's unbelievable for our country. Uh, it's it's great for our universities. It's great for our towns when we play. It's great for our young men. Uh, you know, it, I think it's personally think it's the greatest game in the world. So if they elect to play, great. If they don't. Yeah, you know that's 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 on them. I, I got enough crap to worry about with preparing for Alabama and figuring stuff out at Mizzou. So the team is in great spirits. I know there was a lot of doom and gloom. I saw and heard a lot about how uh, the the hopes of our season hinged on the results of an MRI, 
and frankly, or frankly, that's bull crap. Uh, we've got a hell of a football team, and whether one guy's in or out, we got 117 other guys that are ready to step up no matter who's out. We got Kevin. All right, I'm not a big opening statement guy, and plus you guys are going to ask whatever you want to know anyway. So let's just go ahead and get started. Is there any questions? Young man from Destrehan, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Uh, great young man. All right, starting here with, uh, I think, the biggest story potentially this week in the SEC because this is so bizarre. Let's kick it on down to Columbia. Well, my goodness, Shane, it, uh, you know, if you caught our interview on the last episode, if anybody missed it, go check it out with Keith Alsap. But, you know, I asked him, who's the South Carolina starting quarterback week one? And all indication, and he's not the only one saying it, sounds like it's going to be this Zeb Noland who, <laughs> hell, a week ago was a GA. You know, former North uh, Dakota State quarterback, former Iowa State quarterback. He's been all over the world here. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether to say, you know, I'm hitting the panic button because that's where we're at with South Carolina. If, if a GA a week ago is your starting quarterback or if this mm-hmm. is like a stroke of masterful moves here by Shane Beamer to hire a coach that, that can play quarterback. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know which one. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, Wally Beamer, he, he found out this guy has never played quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he was working on this farm when his dad passed away, and he just never got to go to college. He saw he got a golden arm. So, uh, no, this one is a, this was a bizarre story. This is when we talk about uh, – I mean, if, if he actually plays, could you imagine, Mike? I think he's going to start. I, I, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm trying to think of a success, like a real one, that's not cinematic adventure here. Uh, the closest I got was the opposite of Lane Kiffin. You know? <laughs> if you don't remember, Lane just said the hell with playing football. He picked up a clipboard. So it's like the opposite. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I just. Now, I, how I many Disney it, movies are going to be made about this kid if, if he comes out and he's awesome? You know what? Oh, I know. What's his name? Uh, I, God, what's his name? The Boston guy. Uh, he seems like he's always in those. That he did the Eagles movie. Oh, uh, oh Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, this is right <laughs> down his dad alley. You know. <laughs> so. But uh, I mean, we joke about hell. Maybe this guy's the next Chris Winkie. You know, but uh... yeah, Kurt Warner. You know, <laughs> just getting another little another chance at life. So I love it, man. But when you break it down, I mean, on the face of it, it just seems so bizarre. But at the same time, Shane, I mean, they've got. What do they got? They got a true freshman potentially to play, or they got a guy that they're getting from the uh, FCS ranks, and mm-hmm. they didn't play football last year. So, uh, <laughs> you know, South Carolina just in such a difficult spot here with Luke Doty. Let's hope he can even play. Maybe he'll yeah. suit up and it'll all be fine. But uh, I, I think this maybe this is why I'm starting to see some South Carolina fans temper expectations if that's who we got coming out. But, hey, let's give Shane Beamer all the credit in the world because uh, he was asked about this in length here on Tuesday, and he sounded pretty optimistic about old Zeb Nolan. Hey, Shane, uh, have you named a starting quarterback? We have not, David. That didn't take you long. Um, No, we haven't. A couple things on that. Luke just got his cast off on Sunday. Uh, So, I mean, I don't think it's – we're going to kind of name a quarterback until we see what his – 
situation is. He got his he got his uh, cast off on Sunday. He's in a boot right now. Uh, you know, I talked to him before practice. He's able to take the boot off and move around a little bit, but when he's out on the field, he's got the boot on. Feels good. Uh, you know, we'll keep progressing him along and see where he is. Uh, so, so, so that's one situation we're still working through with the other guys that are competing. I mean, frankly, Zeb had a, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practice last week and a scrimmage, so he's really only been court, playing quarterback for obviously a week. Uh, so give him today, tomorrow, Thursday will be critical practices. And then I think we'll have a better idea how that thing's going to shake out uh, here towards the end of the week once we get through these next few practices uh, with our current quarterbacks. And then once we see what Luke's situation is also. I was about to say, do you have a drop-dead date that you know that we got to have a guy by this time? I mean, you'd love to go into next week uh, where everybody knows who the quarterback is, uh, where we can rally around that guy and he starts getting those reps with the first group and things like that uh, as well. But, I mean, all those guys, Luke before he got injured, Jason, Zeb now, I mean, they've all gotten plenty of work with that first group, with that second group, uh, and, and, and whoever it is. I mean, we've, we've got confidence, whoever takes the first snap out there next Saturday night. Um, to go perform and, and lead us. Uh, so, so from that standpoint, yes, sooner the better. But at the same time, all those guys are ready to play, whoever it is. How have you seen just Zeb being able to step into a situation, a guy that maybe a couple months ago, you know, as he alluded to before after Sam Houston, didn't think he was going to probably play football ever again. How quickly has he been able to pick things up and how impressive has he looked so far for a guy based in the situation that he's in? Yeah, he um, – I think he's been fantastic. I really do. Uh, he's a coach's son, so he's been around the game. I've known you know his dad and his family for for a long time. He was a guy that I can remember when when we were trying to uh, I don't want to say recruit when we were talking to him about becoming a graduate assistant here. I remember the very first time that Coach Satterfield talked to Zeb on the phone. Sat came to me. He's like that guy might be the smartest quarterback I've ever talked to in my entire life. Um, just he's so brilliant. Some of the things that he, ins- this is when he was at North Dakota state and it was kind of an interview, so to speak, you know, to make sure that uh, sat felt good about him. And sat was like, golly, I mean, he's, he would help us right now as an offensive staff, just his knowledge of pass protections and route concepts and, and all that stuff. So it's no surprise from a mental standpoint, that he's been able to pick stuff up. I mean, he was in our staff meetings a week and a half ago in the offensive coaching meetings. I think the biggest thing that's a testament to Zeb and what kind of leader he is is the way that he's been able to get the players to rally around him as well. And, and before before I told the team what we were doing, I met with some of the defensive players in my office privately, and then I met with some of the offensive guys, and we talked about it, and they were great because they, 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 they know what Zeb is. And, um, you know, he's an easy guy to like. He's an easy guy to rally uh, around. I thought he told me this. So I hope it's accurate. I don't think he lied to me. I guess he was a captain at North Dakota State when he was the backup quarterback, you know, which you don't hear a lot of. I and mean, that's pretty dang impressive uh, for your teammates to feel that way um, about you. And then at the same time, he's been, you know, he was he was uh, living the coach's life where the the workouts and all that stuff ain't quite what our guys were doing before he started playing. So to go from that to right out there on the field, I mean, there's going to be some rust and things like that for sure, and you certainly see it. But the arm talent, the knowledge, being able to get us in the right protection, get the ball to the right person, that's been very impressive and, and will only continue to get better. Hey, Shane, we want to go back to Zeb for a second. In addition to his experience and his 
overall knowledge of the game. How much is he being helped that he's coming off a of spring season and, and played pretty recently? Yeah, great point, Rick. Uh, I think that's huge. And that's the first thing I told when I told the team what we were doing. I uh, showed some clips of him playing at Iowa State, going up against Kyler Murray. But then we also talked about – I showed some clips of him playing in the spring, that here is Zeb in a playoff game the same time you guys were, I think, playing the Garnet and Black game. I think it was the same weekend that he had a playoff game. So we were practicing against each other. He was playing in a playoff game uh, at the college level. So certainly I think it would be maybe a different story if he had played last fall and then had been sitting around doing nothing since December. We may be having a different conversation right now because I don't know how far along he would be physically. But the fact that it, it wasn't that long ago – that he was playing a game uh, certainly is is uh, is very helpful and, and is an advantage to us right now. And we told the team that, and it's true. All right, Chad. So, I mean, Shane Beamer sounds – he doesn't sound despondent. I, you know, I think he did uh, over the weekend with his doom and gloom comments and all yeah. that. But maybe this is why he was saying it's not doom and gloom. Maybe because he knew, hey, we got us a coach on here to <laughs> play quarterback, you know. So, yeah, I, I don't know. As weird as it is, it, he still seems optimistic. Well, you know why, Mike? He looked at that damn schedule, buddy. <laughs> you got Eastern Illinois. You got Eastern Carolina. Hell, you could have Eastern Berlin on there. They're going to be all right. They just got to get. They just got to be ready by Georgia. So I think that's why he's a little bit optimistic. Is not that his guy is going to be ready Monday, but or Saturday. But I think he's he's looking. Hey, by the time we really need Luke, mm-hmm. hopefully we can get him on the field. Yeah, and you got to think that's week two, East Carolina. Hopefully, you know they don't. They're not going to rush him out there, but really, you need yeah. him by week three against Georgia. So for sure, they've got several weeks here before they they really need him in the lineup. You know what? Yeah, don't rush this thing. You got a good ball club. You can beat these guys without a quarterback. Seriously, can. Not, I, I'm not saying that you're not going to have a quarterback, but you just don't need a game changer out there. You just need a guy that won't screw up. And uh, because the last thing you want is to talk about one of these teams beating you. So it's just just stick to your fundamentals. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. And the last injury update here, another very important one. It's, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate how many Knicks uh, South Carolina is dealing with here. But Kevin Harris is not suited up at yeah. all for a training camp. So Shane Beamer was asked about that. Let's let's kick it over to Beamer. Shane, with Kevin, uh, obviously he did what he did last year, but considering he hasn't practiced at all in preseason, is it, you know, kind of not, I don't think panic's the right word, but is it like, okay, maybe now's the time that you want to have an answer of like he's going to be back by this date? Uh, Yeah, I mean, we got a pretty good idea of when he, you know, is going to be ready, and we're optimistic that it's next week. And if it's not, if he's just not able to go next week and he's not 100%, and we surely expect him to be ready for the following week. Um, you know, he is, he was in full uniform today. He's running around, he's doing everything. It's just, uh, you know, he met again last week with, with, uh, uh, the doctors that did, that did the procedure on him last week. And it was a great, uh, great response, great feedback. And, and we're continuing to talk to Kevin and his mom and all the medical personnel. And we were not, uh, discouraged or anything with where, he is right now. Uh, we knew when we had the, when he had the procedure this summer that it uh, would be right around the first game that he'd be ready to go, and, and that hasn't changed. He's got a great spirit about himself, and and uh, we know he's going to be carrying the football for us a lot this year, and a lot starting in September. And whether that's September fourth or, or September eleventh remains to be seen. But he's not far off at all, and, and there's no uh, 
there's no concern or panic or, or anything from our standpoint. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing a lot of running with our strength staff to stay in shape. And obviously, I'm not naive. He's got to be able to get out there and get some live action and practice and knock the rust off and things like that. But he's doing as much of that as he can. All right, Chad. So again, maybe just Shane Beamer's just riding that positivity train, but <laughs> you know, he seems to think Kevin Harris will be good to go. And I mean, that's fantastic. Let's hope, you know, he sees the field and he's a hundred percent, but, uh, Hey, if nothing else, the head coach is, is certainly feeling optimistic, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a little pep. I mean, these these kids are excited. They haven't got to play college football in a while. So uh, I just think everybody's got to – I mean, because you're going to listen at the, from every camp just about, and there's a whole bunch of positive vibes coming out. But, right. it's, I mean, it's going to be a hell of a year, Mike. So, Well, let me I ask you this, Shane. Yeah. If, if you got Marshawn Lloyd and you got <laughs> Zacondre White and uh-huh. you've got – you can even kick Bell potentially at running back. Yeah. Would you hold back Kevin Harris for Hell Georgia yeah. week three? Hell, without a doubt, Mike. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to line Marshawn back there at Wildcat, and we're mm-hmm. going to win this damn game without a quarterback. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. So I, we don't need Kevin right now. We need Kevin to get healthy. We don't need Luke right now. We need Luke to be healthy because if you're going to somehow pull off a miracle with Georgia Bulldogs, you're going to have to do it with your studs back in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what it is. Just to be safe. He knows he's playing two cupcake teams. He knows that this team can beat them without those guys. Yeah, I think so. All right, Shane, let's kick it on down next to Baton Rouge. My honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Well, where we had some interesting news here on Tuesday because I did not see this one coming, but uh, LSU has come out and announced that uh, they're going to require, what is it, a, ne- a negative COVID test or proof of vaccine. They're the only SEC program that's come out to state this, and essentially all, the rest of them so far have said, no, we're not going to be doing anything of that sort. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if uh, – it's because they're seeing all the negativity from some of the fans here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we do a hell of a job staying away from politics and religion. And it seems like this whole vaccine thing has turned political. So we won't, we're not going to harp on it too much, but I'm going to tell you right now, I got a guy. If you need, (laughs) 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 you need a card. I got a guy. You know, I put that out on Twitter and I want to read something, Mike. So, yeah, so LSU puts this thing out there, right? You know, mm-hmm. that they got to, you got to, if you're under the age of 12, you've got to have vaccine proof of it, or you got to have proof that you've had the negative uh, COVID test in the last, what, 72 hours or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I put out there <laughs> that I got a guy, you know? And what <laughs> I mean by that is, no, I'm just kidding. Don't turn this into the feds, but seriously, I got a guy. Just DM me. But, uh, <laughs> But when I put it out there on Twitter, the funny part, I got to give this guy credit. His name's uh, at Gunner Balls. He says, what's easier, a Vax card or an ID that says I'm 11 years old? <laughs> 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 oh, man, I don't know. You ain't going to keep them Tiger fans out of that state. That place is going to be packed, buddy. Yeah, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But uh, if nothing else, I mean – uh, just get the word out, man, because if you're an LSU fan and hoping to go to the game, uh, schedule, yeah. schedule you that appointment to get tested because I, right. I, th- I think uh, they're going to be filling up here pretty quick. But at, at least they're giving folks a heads up that uh, that this is coming down. And uh, from all indications that I've heard, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, 
none of these, at least those, now, and I think heard, Florida uh, have all come out and said they're not going to require this, to my knowledge. I think Missouri as well. I, th- I thought Kentucky did. That I thought that was the other one. No, I, well, unless they changed it since we okay. hit the record button here. But, uh, no, as far as I I understand it, they have, they have not done that. Okay. All right, man. Well, I don't know, man. We're, we're, we got we knew something was going to pop up with this old Delta variant floating around, and uh, you know it looks like there's going to be a couple guys going to have to do some extra steps to get into the stadiums. But you know, I, I think we're going to have. I don't think they're going to slow this machine down, Mike. Yeah, SEC fans are are really good at smuggling things into the stadium, so I think we'll be <laughs> fine right there. You know what? Absolutely. We got this. (laughs) Well, uh, on a brighter note here in Baton Rouge, I really wanted to play these comments here because we had Ed Ingram, offensive lineman for the Tigers. Uh, He was asked about uh, the freshman running backs, Corey Kiner and Armani Goodwin, who, you know, we keep hearing so much buzz about those guys. And I think uh, more importantly, his second comments here, he really, and he was on the team. So I think he's calling himself out a little bit here, but on just the lack of leadership and how things are completely different this year in Baton Rouge. Hey, Ed, uh, this is Glenn West with LSU Country. Um, wanted to ask you about the two freshman running backs. It sounds like they've you know, kind of seized control of a lot of these opportunities they've been getting the last couple of weeks. And just what, what do you like about both Corey and Armani? What have they been showing you guys in practice the last week or so? Uh, both of them are some dominant runners. I tell both of them every day like how good they are and uh, how they show flashes of like Clyde and – some of our other great running backs that we've had, and I'm I'm just happy for both of them. I hope to see uh, good things out of both of them this season. I hope they stay healthy, and um, I mean it's gonna they're gonna be some dominant runners uh, for LSU in the future. And I mean a year ago around this time, you guys were defending champs, and it's a pandemic. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean now it's you know it's coming off five and five. It's like, how just different is this month of preseason compared? How does it feel in the locker room compared to a year ago? Uh, right now we're just trying to get back. Get back to us, uh, the 2019 us. Um, last year was a little bump in the road. Uh, this year is not going to be the same. We realized what we did wrong. Uh, we have no leadership last year. Uh, this year we have a lot of leadership. Uh, we have a lot of experience on the team. And, uh, I mean, ultimately we want to win. We're, we're tired of losing. Yeah, I mean, this is an obvious question, I'm sure. But, you know, the, the, you're talking about the increase in leadership. Like, how do you actually see that in your day-to-day make a difference, you know, when, when you don't have it versus when you do? Uh, when people do stuff wrong, it's, um, I mean, the, the players step up and tell, and tell them to do the right thing. Or uh, it's not as much joking around and uh, playing around in meetings and on the, doing walkthroughs and stuff like it was last year. Uh, last season, we had a lot of jokesters, a lot of younger guys just playing around, and a lot of older guys not stepping up saying anything. But this year, we have a lot of uh, guys, including myself, to step up and say stuff. It's kind of like you said. I mean, there's positivity all around. Everybody's saying the right thing, and it's because everybody's undefeated. So, yeah. you know, we'll find out for real here pretty soon, especially for LSU going on the road in the opener against UCLA. But I just love these comments here. And, uh, you know, if what Ed Ingram here is is saying is the truth, it just goes back to what we've been saying the last couple of months where I think LSU is going to be a lot closer to 2019 than they were in 2020 with just so many distractions and and so many opt-outs. And the the list of, uh, you know, negative things that happened in Baton Rouge was just endless last year. And, yeah. and it played out on the field, but it certainly seemed to me like they righted the ship there at the tail end. And I think that's carried over into the offseason. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what he says. He comes out and he talks about seniority and leadership. I mean, that's what you want to hear from your locker room. And and because them, those guys, they expected to win last year and it didn't happen like they wanted it to. And I think I think they ate a little piece of that humble pie. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I think LSU's got a new message this season. All right, Shane, last thing, just real quick, we wanted to hit on this. Let's jump on down to the Plains. Get ready, Tumor's Corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45. Well, hell, Brian Harson is already in the uh, COVID protocol, whatever, and now Derek Mason has come out and said he's tested positive as well. Oh, gosh. So it must be pretty bad down there, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to tease that. So we'll have someone on the show on the next episode from an Auburn insider breaking down what in the world's going down there on the plains and and hopefully get them Tigers ready for the season opener. Like I said, the the first two weeks is Cupcake Central, so yeah, not a huge concern. But uh, uh, I'm seeing some red flags here with the Tigers at the end of the season. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's that, like I said, we it was just in a bad timing, and and now Mason, like I said, that was that was why we are, had the argument that it's not so bad because you got Mason in the locker room, but right. he was he wasn't named the interim coach, so uh, uh, maybe that was for good reason, or maybe they knew this news was coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. now, now you're putting the pieces together. I like that. I like that. <laughs> They open up the Golden Corral. This is what happens, Mike. <laughs> well, hey, buddy, that's all I got. Unless you got anything before we jump off here. Oh, baby, I'm just, I'm just pumped up. We got, like I said, we got eight days. That's a week, man. We got a week. We're gonna have some college football. We're gonna have some, a little action this weekend. Now, let me ask you real quick on just uh, off, not off subject. We talked about it, but LSU, UCLA, is everything a go there? Is it? You've not heard of any restrictions or anything like that right here before the kickoff? Uh, I have not. And from my understanding, LSU has already sold 20,000 tickets to Tiger fans. So there's going to be a lot of gold and purple there in the Rose Bowl. (laughs) And I'm jealous. That's one of my favorite venues. I used to live right down the street. So uh, I cannot recommend that place enough if you're an LSU fan traveling to that game. That's going to be one hell of a scene. All right, that's that's the only one, man. Because LSU with that message today, I was just afraid something was was coming off the track. So as long as we're all good, I'm good. And uh, like I said, a week from now, we're gonna have some college football on TV. It's Tennessee and Bowling Green. Most of you don't care, but uh, <laughs> if you don't have a team, pick them Tennessee balls, baby. We need all the luck we can get. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it, Shane. And uh, as always, of course, if you made it this far, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. That really helps the show grow. And send those on over to thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing that. But that's going to do it. Catch you on the next one. (laughs) See you guys. Go balls.